podcast i'm nick and i'm here with my friend zach hey everybody today we're going to be continuing our ongoing series in which we dive deep to edh rec's database of decks so edh rec pulls deck lists from a couple different sources basically it takes all these deck lists that are on mtg goldfish or that are on deck stats and uses that to generate a lot of information about what commanders are being played, what cards are most closely associated with those commanders, what the staples of the formats are. So it's a whole lot of information about the state of commander. There are some caveats. Generally, the decks that people are putting on these databases are a little bit more budget-oriented. They're not the type that are going to drop $100 on a survival of the fittest. There is also a bit of a bias towards newer cards yeah. because the way that the associations are calculated, if a card only came out in Dominaria, EDH Rec is only going to look at the denominator of decks with that commander since Dominaria. Yeah, yeah. that have been uploaded since Dominaria. Maybe a card will be in like 50% of decks with that denominator, but there's still just a tiny fraction of the total decks with that commander. Those are some of the things to think about. So far, it has been a great snapshot of the format and gives us a great idea about what people are playing in Commander, what Commanders are popular, what archetypes are represented. One thing we've been going over is the holes in terms of Commanders, because we've noticed that people, sometimes they will build a deck even though there isn't really a Commander that supports it, just because that theme is so popular. And those might be great opportunities for Wizards to design new Legendary Creatures geared specifically towards that theme so that people can do what they want to do yeah exactly yeah today's wedges i think Mm -hmm. that's right so far we've done the monocolor decks the allied and enemy pairs and now we're moving on to the wedges which is each color and it's two enemies so today is going to be a much shorter quicker episode than the previous ones just because (laughs) there's so few wedge commanders that have been printed So we're going to get started with Obzon. Coming at number one with 1,934 decks, we have Carador, Ghost Chieftain. Yeah, so this guy, he came out in the first Commander set. They, like, specifically supported these colors in the first Commander set because they were like, oh, people want to play these. And I think, A, that was a great move, and that, B, a lot of, like, these Commanders ended up being pretty strong. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see, I mean... Partly because there's fewer Wedge Commanders, but also partly because they're very good. You're going to pretty much see all those Commanders on these top cards. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the signature cards, the cards that are associated with Carador more closely than this color identity in general, the signature cards tend to be things like tech, things that work specifically well, that have synergies with this particular Commander, Mm -hmm. or with the archetype that they support. And in Carador... It's generally good stuff, but it definitely tilts towards reanimation, it tilts towards sacrifice outlets, it tilts towards graveyard synergies, uh, all the things that you would kind of expect in a deck that is playing out of its graveyard. Karmic Guide, Birthing Pod, Buried Alive, Revelark, Sun Titan, Sappy Eric's Daughter, Ravenous Chupacabra, Viscera Seer, Acidic Slime, Ashen Rider, Eternal Witness, Fleshbag Marauder, those kinds of things. So... Generally good value creatures, a lot of ETB effects, but 
clearly there's also some combo going on because Safi, Eric's daughter, uh, Revelar, Karmakite, Sun Titan. All you need to do is throw in a sack outlet and then you're getting infinite of whatever that sack outlet is generating. Yep. This is pretty much what I would have thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this deck looks like like good ETB creatures, like Flesh Bag. I, th- this deck looks a lot like other Carador decks that I've seen, so that there weren't really any surprises here. I think it's fine. These are the graveyard colors. It makes sense to have a commander in all three that interacts with the graveyard. Yeah, and, and I do want to say that before we move on quickly, is that like with a lot of the color combos, the number one deck has a like ton of decks and then there's a pretty steep decline after that with a lot of these wedges that's not the case so yeah the drop off is after about number four yeah and i I also want to point out that during this series we don't really plan on discussing the partner commanders because there's just way too many yeah there's a lot we'd end up saying the same things over and over like a timna deck with ikra shadiki is not a whole lot different from, like, a Timna deck with Rehan, Last of the Abzan. Yeah, like, th- there's going to be tech that is particular to, like, one of the pair, but... We'd be repeating ourselves Yeah, so it's, it, would, it would get pretty bad. So, um, just so that you know, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of those decks. Yeah, eight I think, combinations. for each one. Yeah. Which is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we are not going to be talking about those for each wedge. Do you want to move on to the next Obzon commander? Uh, yeah. So we've got Gave, Guru of Spores, with 1,791 decks. Yeah, I also think Gave sounds cooler. Mm-hmm. I agree. This is actually has a ton of signature cards. Yeah. And it looks like people in general are building this. I mean, there's a lot of token synergies, there's some counter synergies, and there's... Kind of looks like a more recent edition of Saprolink synergies. Mm-hmm. Oh, but don't don't forget about the the denominator problem. Oh no, that's what I mean. Like this is these are all there's a bunch of cards that have made it onto the signature that are very recent that I think is uh, yeah. Pretty... You got your Spore Crown Thalid, your Slimefoot, the Stowaway. Yeah, like why not just use Slimefoot <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if you want to do whatever? Um, but there, like I said, there's a I think we have every token doubling card on mm-hmm. here, and you have. Corpse Jack Menace to double your counters and like doubling season. So, Winding Constrictor. Winding Constrictors. This is a lot of tokens and a lot of counters. Yeah. We've spoken about this before, but there are at least 60 cards that form some sort of combo yeah. with Gave in these yeah. colors. <laughs> so, really, building a Gave deck is just assembling this perfect machine because once you have like an anointed procession and like an Earthcraft you're you probably win like, like yeah. you just need to assemble like two or three of the right card that either like makes it so that going through the gave loop gives you an additional counter or yeah, an additional you, token you come at resource positive yeah so it's really not that hard you just need a way to pay for the mana and get some sort of resource in the process and once you do that you win the game yep yeah it's pretty crazy it's it's amazing how consistent that this deck is yeah because every random seven cards is going to have yeah <laughs> probably most of the combo pieces you need yeah it's really really silly it's it's amazing how many cards do the same thing in essence yeah <laughs> which just like any card with undying is a combo with yeah young wolf commander. is nuts in this deck yeah just, that's like 
it's so silly to me. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Young Wolf, that classic commander staple. But yeah, I mean, do you want to say anything else about this guy? Or Nothing, just that I'm glad he exists. I think this yeah. is a cool deck, and it adds to the format. Yeah, I totally agree. I think both these last commanders do. So this next one, number three, has been in the format for a while. It was one of the only options for this in a deck that people talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Dorn the Siege Tower comes in at... 1,316 decks, and the signature cards did not surprise me, yep. necessarily. A lot um, of big butts. There's a lot of big booties, and like assault formation, things that make it commander's attack. Slagworm armor's here. Hello, Slagworm armor. Mm-hmm. Tower defense. Yeah, yeah. I also liked the Slaughter the Strong, because I think that is 100%. Oh, and <laughs> Dusk to Dawn. Mm-hmm. Like, those are more recent additions, but they are exactly what this deck wants to do yeah just like totally one-sided in like the best way possible mm-hmm. we've talked about this before one of the problems that Dorn has is that Dorn is like just such an efficient beater mm-hmm. like yes like remember is here because that's very good yeah <laughs> like hitting someone for 11 mm-hmm. is very efficient on like turn four like if Doran was a vanilla 5-5 five, five for three he wouldn't be nearly as good what makes him so good as a commander is the fact that historically toughness pumping has been priced so so low yeah like tower defense like they could never print something that was creatures you control get plus five plus oh at instant speed for two mana but yeah. they can do that because yeah. who the hell cares about toughness yeah yeah so it's really that just Tor- doran enhances all these effects these toughness pumping effects to the point where like the ratio of your damage output to the mana and cards you're investing into it is insane yeah yeah you get these like huge advantages whereas like the person pumping power gets like dictative heliod or something like that yeah which is just like two for four or two for five two for five oh man yeah yeah so so like if you compare that to a lot of these other cards it's it's a pretty hefty difference there as you were mentioning, like the biggest issue with Doran and one that I'm really glad to see that they fixed with Arcadia Sabbath, yeah, is that Doran is so efficient as a Voltron commander that it's almost not even worth your time to invest in other high toughness creatures. Yeah, Doran, he's always in your hand and he just does an insane amount of damage and he'll kill people way faster than like just main deck cards that don't have that commander damage boost yeah it is a very good deck it's a very interesting deck you do get to run a bunch of these really weird cards which is great Mm -hmm. so again like this is also one of these commanders that i think is in general good for the format i think it's very funny that assault formation is by far the most popular card like almost 80 percent of doran decks a huge number of these decks, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, run Assault Formation. Even though it's duplicative with your commander, just because they want to make walls lose Defender, really. Yeah, yeah. And it's great that like Arcades came along and is just basically Assault Formation. Yeah, definitely. Our next commander is not, like doesn't have as much tech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, Anafenza the Foremost, with 998 decks... And uh, has a lot less signature cards, mm-hmm. um, and part of that is because Anafenza just doesn't really do anything super interesting or relevant. I actually am surprised to see a certain card not on here, the green processor. I can't remember what it's called. 
Oh, yeah, like uh, Void Descendant? Yeah, there's the one there where you can pay mana process, like the Eldrazi, that you process a card and you get a Scion. And you yeah. can just do that forever with Anafenza. Yeah, thanks to Anafenza's random standard trinket text. Creatures that are put in your opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. Or if a creature would be. Yeah, so, um, so basically what happens with Void Attendant is somehow when your opponent's creatures dies, ends up in exile, Void Attendant puts it back into their graveyard, Anafenza takes it out of their graveyard, puts it back in exile. Yeah. So it's just one energy to make a Scion. You can also, like try to build that and more in that direction like i'm just gonna have like search out void attendant every game yeah and then you can do some stuff like the scion will pay for half the activation so mm-hmm. it's just g get like an etb and a death trigger yeah. and go from there yeah the signature cards here are basically the outlast cards from <laughs> cons of tark here mm-hmm. ivory tusk fortress is here which i also think is pretty cute mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not really much tech insofar as we think of tech yeah i think that part of the problem is just that like anafenza wants to be a plus one plus one counter commander but she doesn't do a good enough job of it so there's not really a reward there for building around that ability as opposed to well i'm in three pretty good colors so i'm just gonna play sword supply shares and anguish done making and eternal witness and yeah all the all those thingies yeah definitely yeah and and i mean that that is kind of a Shame. I, I I think it is, like, part of my heart is really warmed seeing that all the signature cards are just the Outlast creatures. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's so adorable. <laughs> but, like, most Doing of the this. Outlast cards just aren't good enough for no, Commander. No, they're, they're really not. And, yeah. like, Anafenza doesn't do a good enough job subsidizing them. No. No, not at all. She, I mean, I would argue that other than the, the fact that she gets a free counter on things, like, she doesn't actually... And even that is, like really slow yeah (laughs) like you cast her on turn three turn four you get your first counter turn like one counter per turn yeah starting on turn four is really bad for this format when you're in three colors you really need to push the power level and also like push the the synergies that it encourages otherwise you're just going to end up with a good stuff deck where the commander doesn't matter yeah and that's kind of where this thing is leaning yeah I, I think most of the Anafenza decks I've seen were mostly because someone in the playgroup was playing a graveyard combo and someone was pissed. Uh-huh. So they played Anafenza good stuff. That, I mean, more or less finishes off all the Abzan commanders we really want to talk about. Teneb is here, number five, and there's not really any signature cards for Teneb. Uh, Dagatar the Adamant is uh, a sad, sad man. Yeah. We will not talk about He's a him. much worse version of Anafenza, which itself is not that great. Yeah, so. which is... Wow, that's saying something. Yeah. So we're going to leave him just to go play in the sand over there. Mm-hmm. That's that's He can do that. That's what the abs undo. That's what the abs undo. Uh, and move on to Jeskai, which... we got a couple interesting options. Number one is Narset Enlightened Master with 2,048 decks. And we've talked about Narset on the podcast before... But it's a whole lot of time warps, and that's exactly what you're going to see <laughs> when you go into the signature cards. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad people realize this. The signature cards are Karn's Temporal Sundering, Temporal Trespass, Part the Water Veil, Beacon of Tomorrow's Time Stretch, Expropriate, Temporal Mastery. Nexus of Fate is in the, the recently released decks. Nexus yeah, of Fate is I would figures definitely, prominently in them. I would definitely put Nexus of Fate in this deck. 
the top cards does contain things like Relentless Assault, yeah. World at War, yeah, more, Day. more of the like uh, extra combats, which are very good. Yeah. Like, uh, like e- either an extra combat or an extra turn is like a hit for Narset. Yeah. And they've put in enough the, of, both of, them. of both of them that your odds to win off the first attack are very high. Also, like one tech card that I think is amazing in Narset is um, Generator Servant. Yeah, Generator Servant is pretty good. <laughs> so Generator Servant is a 2 cost 2-1 two that you can tap and sacrifice it to add 2 to your mana pool. And if that mana is spent on a creature spell, that creature gains haste. So basically it shaves 3 turns yeah. off of your first Narset attack. Yeah, Generator Servant is like one of those pieces of tech that is actually better than I think people will give it credit for. Because mm. it was really bad in draft. And it was in, like, these core sets, so I think it's kind of, like, evaded a lot of people's minds for a lot of decks that are red like this or that want to attack. Yeah, I think any, like, commander with CMC 5 or greater that really wants to attack as soon as possible, or even, like, Heartless Hitetsugu. I would run oh, yeah. Heartless Hitetsugu for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Just getting in there, like... Turn three, three. First yeah. activation turn three. That's pretty good. Good luck, everybody, because yeah. Overblaze is coming next turn. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, to continue on, our next most popular commander, which uh, does not surprise me at all, mm-hmm. is Zedger the Great Hearted. Zedger has 1,600 decks. A lot of these made sense. There's some cards that I would have expected to be here, but the big hitters are mm-hmm. here. So, like Illusions of Grandeur, uh, Steel Golem. Yeah, actually, those are kind of the big ones that I see here. The really solid cards are like I really like Vidalkin Plotter and Political Trickery, which is yeah, those are great. Yeah, just things that exchange control of lands because like if you exchange control of creatures, well, that that's only gonna stick around and draw you cards up until the next wrath. Yeah, but exchanging lands that's very close to permanent. So no, I totally and and of course you get the opportunity to hose other people like if. They have a Gaia's Cradle or something. Yeah, I, I'm surprised, like, Pyromancer Swath isn't here, because that is hilarious. Yeah. If you, like, untap with Zedger and go, Pyromancer Swath, here you go. Mm-hmm. And then they just pitch their hand and can't play anymore. Like, that's pretty silly. Also, I had a friend who played Transcendence mm-hmm. in uh, their Zedger deck. Ah, uh, I played that. Yeah, I highly recommend it, because it is hilarious. Just make sure you don't kill yourself when it, you get it back. Yep. I have played Zedru before, and I find that, like, the activation is just way too expensive. Like, it's, yeah, it's slow. Very slow. It's extremely slow. It's so difficult to pay four mana to get Zedru on the field, pay three mana to give something away, wait an entire round of turns for your upkeep in the hope that, like, A, Zedru's still around, B, the thing you gave to someone else is still under their possession. So many things can go wrong, and especially, like, when you're considering the stuff you're working with like how dangerous it is to have an illusions of grandeur or a uh, pyromancer swath or a transcendence yeah all of these things are very spicy <laughs> yeah all of these things are like you know extreme caution handle with care yeah <laughs> so like the risk you have to take on as a zedru player is really high and it's like just imagine if you have a steel golem on the field and then somebody kills your zedru before you have the opportunity to give away the steel golem mm-hmm like then you can't cast your commander and you've got this steel golem what the hell are you gonna do there's so many things that can go wrong and just shut you out of the game <laughs> with zedru i don't know why they didn't 
price it more competitively. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this was because this was their first look into Commander. This is their first time specifically building for Commander. So a part of me wants to say that like it was because they didn't understand, and part of me wants to say that they're really afraid of it being good. <laughs> Honestly, a world in which Zedru is really good sounds like a cool world to live in. Yeah, no, I actually don't think that would be that bad. I was just trying to think of other Zedru. I mean, like, the things that affect everyone equally, like Zer's weirding, oh, yeah. are also pretty sick uh, Zedru tech. But yeah, as you can hear, it's like, as we're, we can go on and on about Zedru. Like, there's so many things about this commander and, like, cards you can put into this and plays yeah. you can make. It's very cool. It's just unfortunate that it sucks. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, I actually agree that it, it is unfortunate that it sucks. Mm-hmm. So, so sad. But we still love you, Zedger. The next commander I've actually never seen played, yet I know many people with this deck. Mm-hmm. I've never actually seen this deck played. It is Shuyun the Silent Tempest. So Shuyun is one of the sneaky three-color commanders where it's a monocolor creature with like off-color activation, uh, which is great tech, and I wish they would do that more often. Yep. Like, just please. Like, it's... Like Najila. It should, yeah, like Najila. <laughs> like, this really shouldn't be that weird. Even in normal sets. Like, mm-hmm. I could they could do this more often in normal sets, too. But, I digress. The signature cards are kind of hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. I could see why they are here. Yep. But, it's a lot of things like Distortion Strike, Slip Through Space, Artful Dodge, Titan String, <laughs> Brute Force... <laughs> Reckless Charge. Reckless Charge, which is... That one's real spicy. Shadow Rift, which is, like, one of my favorite Emergence ones. Emergence I like that one a lot. Yeah, Emergence Scathe is really cool. Oh, so there's Scathe, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some spicy, spicy things here. And this deck, I mean, is one of my favorite archetypes to play in 60 card of, mm-hmm. like... I'm just going to play all these cards that do minor effects and cantrip through, like, Brainstorm three times and then do this thing... At, like, like that Drake deck in Standard? Yeah, that's actually my arena deck, is <laughs> the 8 Drake... I feel, and this is my ignorance speaking, and so if you're a listener, please let me know how the deck plays out most of the time. I feel like you kill, like, a person, or you can maybe kill two people, and then you peter out, is what it seems like. Yeah, like, there's not enough cantrip effects to make it so that you can, like, actually maintain your hand size. Yeah. Like, I think you're just gonna vomit your brute force, reckless charge, distortion strike... Yeah, you'll probably get to 21 on somebody, and then you're going to have an empty hand and, like, no way to recoup it. It seems like the deck just tilts toward having no cards in hand. Yeah, so I'm, I'm interested. I mean, I, I understand that the playstyle yeah. is something people want to do, because I also like doing that kind of thing. But in Commander in particular, it seems not as strong. I definitely could see, like, some nuts, like, early turns. Like, you kill someone turn 4 or 5 mm-hmm. or something like that. But let me know, people. That's really all the Jeskai commanders. Yeah, so the ones we're skipping, Ruhan of the Fremori and Numont the Devastator. Not really many signature cards for either of them. Well, Ruhan's got some signature cards, but they're all just Voltron stuff. Yeah. It's well, like yeah. Blackblade Reforged, Assault Suit, Hammer of Nizan. Yeah, Duelist Heritage. Yeah, it's it's like, I, I, I don't know if I would consider uh, Swords... Yeah. Signature cards. Definitely. Although, honestly, this is kind of baffling. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense why you would run, say, Luxon Warhammer in a uh, Ruhan deck when it doesn't actually increase the clock. 
Yeah, I think it's just so you gain 10 life. Um, I do like the assault suit. I think that is actually the sweetest tech for this deck. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that you have to attack these random other people like just speeds up the clock that much more because seven is a lot but i was hoping to see more double strike effects because yeah. that's really what this deck wants yeah like, come down with haste on four then turn five double I, strike yeah you double strike and i guess hope you get lucky enough to attack the same person again <laughs> <laughs> that is what it comes down to a lot i also liked uh angelic destiny in that deck because it makes him a two-turn clock without double strike yeah that's so nice. that was pretty pretty sweet and also flying the next guy, Numont the Devastator, has a whopping one signature card that is in 34 decks. Mm -hmm. All right. We're so good. we're not really going to talk about it. It's Star of Extinction, if you're curious. Um, this deck is just good stuff. Yeah. It's good stuff. You blow up some lands. Yeah. So we're going to move on now to Sultai. So the number one Sultai commander with 2,132 decks is Sadisi Brew Tyrant. And this does not surprise me at all. This deck is red. Yeah, it was a really cool deck. I had a Sidisi deck for years and yeah. <laughs> loved it a lot. These colors are great at playing out of your graveyard, and Sidisi is a great way to get stuff in your graveyard. So I just felt like I had a hand of 20 cards at all times, yeah. <laughs> 20 or more cards, because there was just so much I could do. Tons of signature cards in this deck. You've got Dread Return, being yeah. able to like mill into a sweet reanimation target and a Dread Return, and then instantly exchange your, your zombies, zombies for something else. Heck yeah. Uh, Nyx Weaver, just a way to self-mill and then get something back from your graveyard. Diagraph Captain, that's interesting. There's also Lord of the Accursed in the signature card, so people do tend to play Sadisi as a bit of zombie tribal. I actually don't think that's totally correct. Yep. I think the most powerful zombie tribal cards are worth playing, like Graveborn Muse and Undead Warchief. But just for a random lord that only pumps for one power, I wouldn't waste my time, really. I think people like putting Diagraph Captain into commanders that make zombies specifically for the life loss. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, you wrathed me, but at least I like made you lose a bunch of life. This deck doesn't really care about being wrathed. Yeah, it rebuilds very quickly. It's very fast, yeah, it's it's great. Man, there's a couple things here that baffle me. So, one, the new cards. So, obviously, the, there's a bunch of stuff from Return to Ravnica, Assassin's Trophy, Plague Crafter, Underrealm Lich, Lazav the Multifarious, but no Doom Whisperer. Yeah. When Whereas, like, this is the deck, I think, that can use Doom Whisperer the best of yeah. any deck in Commander. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. <laughs> like, because a well-built Sadisi deck is going to be at least 50% creatures, and Doom Whisperer, mill, like, you can mill two cards. It'd be so easy for you to just pay two life, make a zombie over and over mm -hmm. and over, mm -hmm. start as early as turn five. Yeah, and then when, that's, that's pretty hard to get through. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have to have an answer immediately. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, this deck is rad. Those cool graveyard synergies in the top cards. The creatures are kind of what you'd imagine to see there's a lot of things that work out of the graveyard and like good value creatures but this deck is rad <laughs> okay. Kinda. yeah I, I i love this deck I, st I still love it i think it's very cool there's a few other things that should be in the signature <clears throat> cards that aren't mesmeric orb the way city C's trigger is worded is that you can only get one zombie per instance of mill so if you mill three cards and get two creatures you still only get one zombie but mesmeric orb each untap is a separate trigger you can get one zombie for every single creature milled even if mesmeric orb mills you 10 cards mesmeric orb is great there, there's other tech there's a lot of tech for this deck i'm not going to go into it but it's a wonderful deck and i'm happy to see it came out on top yeah for all the 
the good stuff we're about to see. In yeah, Zoltai. it's not. Uh, speaking of good stuff, yeah. the number two commander is Tassigur the Golden Fang uh, with 1,898 decks. Only two signature cards. Yikes. Uh, yeah, and I think they're just there because they're in the same set, like, honestly. Like, yeah. it's Dig Through Time and Reality Shift. Not really a reason for those to be the signature cards at all. <laughs> yeah, in fact, you could argue that Dig Through Time is makes less sense in this deck than another. Yeah, yeah, because your commander is not cheap anymore. Yeah, this is good stuff that people are playing. Cyclonic Rift and Eternal Witness and Counterspell and villainous wealth yeah um, but the funniest part about this is that doom whisper is in the new card section of this deck. Uh, that's foolish <laughs> oh internet um not really too much i really want to say about that <laughs> i don't know if you wanted to say anything yeah i don't love talking about good stuff so i'm happy to move on to the next one yeah which is the mimeoplasm which has been in the format since the first commander set and not many signature cards but the ones that are here are very spicy mm-hmm. Among the signature cards, we have Consuming Aberration, Fleet Swallower, Life's Finale, things that just get a bunch of good creatures into opponent's graveyards at once. Buried Alive is the number one signature card, which makes perfect sense. Yeah, oh yeah. Going Buried Alive, turn three or four, into Mimeoplasm, turn five, seems like a great way to win the game Yeah. <laughs> before anyone has had a chance to do anything. Yeah, and then my favorite thing is, so like, Lord of Extinction is very good in this deck because you just put a million counters on him and then my favorite addition to this which i think is totally correct looking at this is toothy Mm. toothy like so you make a toothy and you put lord of extinction tokens on toothy and you probably kill yourself if it dies honestly (laughs) (laughs) it's like that's so silly but yeah this deck is rad it does a bunch of goofy things it got pretty close to doing the the, uh, grusilda like monster masher type thing where Mm. you like make a creature out of two creatures but not quite exactly what people wanted but yeah but still pretty interesting i think this deck is pretty cool yeah lets you put a bunch of counters on your skitherix on your skitherix give it haste wow so the next commander doesn't have any signature cards which i actually think is wrong Mm -hmm. this is mostly a good stuff deck that people are playing I would actually argue this is one of the better Ravnus Rats commanders. It's Damia the Stone Sage, or mm. Sage of Stone. 1,279 cards. Like I said, no signature cards. I think cards where you pitch your hand are good in this deck, mm-hmm. like, for value. There's a lot of those. There's the one card where you, like, exile your hand, and then you oh. get your hand back on your upkeep and draw a card. Well, here's the thing. I think she synergizes really well with just one-for-one one removal and oh. counter spells. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that definitely. <laughs> so so I think that, unfortunately, if you uh, bottled Cloister yourself, then, like, <laughs> you're you, don't, out. Yeah, yeah. you don't have access to, like, the counter spells or spot removal on your opponent's turn. Yeah, I think this is just a way to, like, man, I guess I spent all my counter spells and Doom Blades, and it's like, oh, here's seven more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. This is a deck where Seedborn Muse is very good, mm-hmm. just specifically for that reason. And I do still say that I think this is one of the better, I guess, rat colony nowadays, commanders. Mm-hmm. The next one surprised me. I yeah. c- cannot believe how quickly this deck has ascended into the top five yes. of, a, of a competitive color identity. Yeah. So this is Muldrotha the Gravetide with 989 decks in six months? Yeah, like, yeah, a little, yeah, six months. It's That's ins- incredible. It's insane, yeah. Yeah. So must be an extremely popular commander. Signature cards are a bunch of things that sacrifice themselves for value. So you've got Caustic Caterpillar, Seal of Primordium, Moldrifter, 
Pernicious Deeds, Boarfrog, yeah. Shriekma. I think the my favorite, because there's a lot of, like, these cool things that sack themselves or, like, use the graveyard, mm-hmm. but Secrets of the Dead being on here is one of the, like... That's sweet tech. That is some pretty sweet tech, and I am pretty happy to see that. I, I think it's cool that Commander Sphere finally got a home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it surprises me that Second Chance isn't in the uh, oh, signature yeah. cards. It's not even in the top enchantments. Right. Oh, and also this, this one is kind of obscure, so let me just spell it out for you guys. So Second Chance is a three-mana oh, yeah. three enchantment uh, at the beginning of your upkeep. If you have five or less life, sacrifice second chance and take an extra turn after this one. So with Muldrotha, you can just recast the second chance from your graveyard and then do it again next turn. Yeah, and then... yeah, and you just take infinite turn. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about the last guys. Uh, Vorosh, the hunter. Nah, let's skip him. Yeah, it's not too much very to talk about there. Very few decks. and Very few decks, very few signature cards. Are, are there any? Oh, there are. There's, There's a lot of signature cards. People are using it as like a... Counters. Uh, yeah. Like all plus the... Plus one counters. Mixing like the Simic plus one plus one counters with stuff like Corpse Jack Menace. Uh, Winding Constrictor. Yeah. That is silly. Um, so I bet you guys can't guess who the number one... Mardu Mardu Commander, commander is. is. Can you guess? With 2,388, it's Kali of the Vast... Who would have thought? Although, Alesha's given her a run for her money. Yeah, which actually surprises me. I mean, that's great. Not, but... not well, it doesn't surprise me. I've, just like, my sense has been that mm-hmm. Alesha has, like, a lot of fans. Oh. Oh, hey, all right. Because yeah. I know a lot of people with Alesha decks, so it makes sense anecdotally. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, can you guess what the signature cards for this deck are? Audience, can you guess how many of these cost seven or more? Mm-hmm. Only three of them cost six or less. Let's yeah. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. So there are a ton of signature cards. They're all just really powerful angels, demons, and dragons. Yep. I don't think you really need us to tell you how to play this deck. You attack. Mm-hmm. You did it. Yep. Problem solved. That's a extremely linear deck. We could probably move on. Yeah, this is a very good card. Um, so the number two, as we said, is Alessia, who smiles at death with... 2,184 decks, which is like, wow, that's a really close number two. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Signature cards are powerful two-power creatures, things like Ravenous Chupacabra, Karmic Guide. Well, I don't know if I'm, Karmic Guide fully makes sense. Yeah. But uh, Gaunti, Lord of Luxury, Mentor of the Meek. Yeah, I like the Fiend Hunter here and mm-hmm. Viscera Seer. Yeah. Viscera Seer is very important and, for these decks. And there's some other sweet stuff, like ways to get things in your graveyard, Buried Alive, Faithless Looting, Cathartic Reunion. Key to the City is great. I, I've been surprised at how many decks I've been putting Key to the City into mm-hmm. lately, just because that card is so much better than I thought. Yeah, dude, discard, it, it does like three different things yeah. for two mana. It's great. Yeah, it's such a good value. Yeah. See, discard outlets are awesome. Mm-hmm. And, I, and mm-hmm. I have been running like Faithless Looting, Cathartic Reunion, Wild Guest, Tormenting Voice in more and more of my red decks. I've been really impressed with with those ones. They're just so little mana investment. It's really easy to find an extra mana or two on your turn. Getting stuff in your graveyard and increasing your card quality. They've, I've been liking them a lot. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this deck is rad. The creatures are very cool and interesting. This does... Like uh, Kalia, this does combo. Oh, actually, I'm surprised that wasn't in the Kalia signature cards, was uh, Master of Cruelties. Mm, yeah. Master of Cruelties should also be in the signature cards here. And yeah, it's, not... it's one of the best ways to win with Kalia yeah. on turn 
five. Yeah, on turn five or four. Or four. Yeah, yeah that's true. A lot of acceleration in Kali. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the same here. Like, I, I would imagine that, that mean mean boy to be here, but mm-hmm. he's not. He's in the top cards, but not the top... Uh, yeah, not signature not cards. Not signature cards. Yeah. I guess that maybe there's a lot of decks running Master Cruelties. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of imagine that. People like their splashy mythics. Mm-hmm. The next commander is Queen Marchessa. With also a very large number of decks. I, this surprised me a lot. 1,952 decks. I knew that people were excited for this card when it came out. I did not realize how many people were excited for this card. And it looks like people are just really leaning into the Monarch theme. Mm-hmm. Signature cards, you have like Skyline Despot, you have uh, Custody Lich, oh, Marchessa's Decree. It's very Pillow 40. It's very Pillow 40, and then you have things that like make it hard to attack you and then you have like assemble the legion and kazool to like dissuade attacks and like have little guys to attack with it's it's a mardu pillow fort yeah value i'm seeing ghostly prison kazool taste the envoy of ghosts yeah windborn muse baird steward of argiv sphere of safety norn's annex like this is an interesting take on it i don't know if this is the best take on no i definitely i i do like the assemble the legion idea Mm -hmm. of like just like no i'm always able to slip one of these guys through yeah i think that's really interesting top cards are very much just good stuffy you got your swords anguish on making blah blah blah. you know when queen marchessa first came out i was actually talking with a friend of mine and i think the best way to build around her is to break jokel helps effects oh because yeah like, once you have the Monarch, if the game is reset completely back to zero, but you're drawing two cards a turn and everyone else is drawing one, you're probably going to be able to win, right? <laughs> I would assume so. Like, you've got a better chance than anyone else to win the game at that point. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I would build Marchessa. I think that's a way better way to make use of the Monarch than just, I have the Monarch and I'm never giving it away. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. But like I said, I really did not expect this to be as popular as it is if there's one thing i've learned through this edh rec deep dive it's how popular pillow fort is yeah how just incredibly popular this archetype is mm-hmm. but yeah i mean this is complete counter to the next guy on the list which is edgar markov at 1604 decks this looks exactly like i thought it would yep 99.2 percent tribal vampire <laughs> yeah signature cards are like captivating vampire stormkirk captain malakir blood witch which is pretty that's pretty silly that's a great I, card. I love that um indulgent aristocrat god the, all of these just like vampire things i don't like dark imposter in this deck i, I don't think that no really i think that place, but it came in the pre-con oh okay that makes sense i don't have much to say about this, this is a very very good very very aggressive deck yep and it's tribal, and it did a good job of doing what the tribe wants. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a mistake, but whatever. Yes. <laughs> yep. All right, we're going to briefly touch on Zergo Helm Smasher. It's a Voltron deck. Um, yes. The most notable piece of tech is World Slayer, because uh, Zergo has the benefit of being indestructible on your turn. So if you throw a World Slayer on him, then there will be no permanence except World Slayer and Zergo, and you should be able to win from there. Yep, and then there's other really cute things. Conqueror's Flail. 
I kind of question why like World Slayer is in so many of these decks, but yeah, see only 19% of decks are running Jokohops because like you could pay 10 mana to play and equip a World Slayer or you could pay like 6 mana and cast a Jokohops. Like you could curve yeah. into him perfectly. Mhm. Like Same if you're willing him. to pull off the band-aid and play World Slayer, yeah. Then why not just do the same thing but better and cheaper? Yep, I agree. Berserko is a hilarious deck. I had a friend who would. This, people are gonna get so mad when they hear this. Um, he would scratch, no, ed, like etch into the card every time Zergo killed someone. <laughs> it was pretty wonderful. Just tally it. Let's see, Teriel, Reckoner of Souls. That's basically a good stuff deck from what we've seen. Yeah, there's only like a handful of signature cards. Yeah. Mathis Fiend Seeker. This one was very surprising. I had yes. this one floored me. Yeah, I, I did not understand, and then I kind of did. So Mathis was one of the commanders in the 2017 Vampire Precon, and he's three mana, red, white, black, for a 3-3 menace vampire. At the beginning of your end step, put a bounty counter on target creature and opponent controls. For as long as that creature has a bounty counter on it, it has, when this creature dies... Each opponent draws a card and gains two life. So I really didn't think there was a whole lot to build around there. Maybe you run a bunch of spot removal. Yeah, it makes your spot removal not terrible. But the signature cards in this deck, that well, here's the ones that really stood out to me. Curse of Opulence, Curse of Disturbance, (laughs) Curse of Bloodletting, Curse of Exhaustion, Cruel Reality, and Overwhelming Splendor. And for those of you who may not be familiar with the last two... They're both curses. Yeah. <laughs> so people are building this as a curse commander. I don't see the synergy. But yeah, this does let us know that this was apparently a hole in the format. Like people wanted curses. I think that there aren't really enough good curses to warrant this quite yet. Yeah. But obviously this is something people like and people wanted to try. Yeah, like Cruel Reality and uh, Overwhelming Splendor are both really sick cards but i don't think we're at a critical mass yet yeah i think that we do need more support but it's something that they do support every now and then randomly Mm -hmm. i think if we do go back to amonkhet and it's like spooky like dead egypt like they talked about like they're going through the the deserts and stuff we'll get more curses yeah because both of these curses were from amonkhet the good ones (laughs) yeah i think we'll definitely see more when we go back to innistrad too I think they're getting close with their iteration of curses in commander products. Yeah. I actually thought Curse of Disturbance was pretty decent. Like, yeah. Like, I would run that in a zombie deck. They're, they've been getting better, I yeah. think, definitely. Like, they realize that they can push the power on some of these, which is they really needed to. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like, if they just make them really expensive, like, I don't care about paying eight mana for an overwhelming splendor. Like, yeah. If I'm in a deck that can support it, or if you have a curse commander that, like, you know, reduces costs or drops them into play from, from like, your hand or graveyard or library or whatever, like, you can just push the power level by increasing the cost and then design a commander that makes it so the cost doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then people can have fun with their goofy little cards. Yeah. Because curses are hilarious. But yeah, the, the next two commanders, there's Alicia, a Sanguine Tribune, and Oros the Avenger. Um, not really too much to say there. So Lysia, not... it's like a life gain deck. That's what most of the signature cards are, but it's kind of just a worse version of Karlov. Yeah. Because if you look at the signature cards, none of them are red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, none of them are red. Yeah. And if you go down to the top cards, there's only one red card and it's Crackling Doom. 
Like, this is clearly just wanted to be an Orzov deck. Yeah, this is, it's really strange. They could have changed this and, I don't know. Oros also, mostly good stuff. Looks like people didn't really build around Oros's damage trigger. Oros, when his, he hits... His only ability. <laughs> yeah, when which, when Oros hits someone, you can pay one, uh, two and a white. If you do, it deals three to each non-white creature. Yeah, so you'd think that he would be all about building around that and, like, uh, giving him death touch mm-hmm. so that he just wipes the board of everything but your white stuff. But that's that's not what happened. There is a Basilisk Caller in the signature cards, but there's no Gorgon Flail... Quite a, no, spike. quite a spike. Yeah. Like, none of the redundant effects. Yeah. It feels like nobody bothered to go do a gatherer search of Death Touch. And to be fair, there's only 149 decks after all these years. Yeah. So, that's whatever. But, that does bring us to Tamur. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there aren't too many uh, in Tamur. For some reason, we got way more... Oh, it's because the Vampire deck. Yeah. Oh, um... that makes sense. I was like, we have way more Mardu Commanders than the other Wedges. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so our number one Tamur commander is Animar, Soul of Elements, uh, coming in at 2,096 decks. There are signature cards. There's some very good ones. A lot of these are lots of card draw <laughs> effects. So, like, Soul of the Harvest is here, Primordial Sage is here, Den Protector, Vizier of the Menagerie is here. This is kind of what I would expect. There's uh, Ancestral Statue, mm-hmm. which for those who do not know, if you don't, if you don't remember what Ancestral Statue does... Uh, it's a 3-4 four for 4. It's an artifact creature. It's a golem. And when it enters the battlefield, return a non-land permanent you control to its owner's hand. So basically you just like... On Animar. And like first it costs 4, and then it costs 3, and then it costs 2, and then it costs 1, and then it's free. And then you just keep bouncing itself over and over and over again and putting as many counters as you want on Animar. Yep, that is the one-card combo of this deck. One-card combo. Crazy. There are different ways to make Animar. I have Animorphs, mm-hmm. which uh, plays very differently. It runs, like, the same Primordial Sage and Soul to Harvest. Glimpse of Nature effects. You're trying to just draw a card every time you play a Morph and, like, win that way. Just ways to guarantee, like, Beast Color Savant, like, that you, A, can always play Animar, and B, can, like, start going off once you get Animar mm-hmm. is very important. Also in the top cards are, like, Eldrazi, Kozilek is here, Ulamog, the Ceaseless Hunger, like, the Nulamog is here, Palancron is here, hey buddy, how's it doing, how you doing, Peregrine Drake is here, whoa. This deck is very strong. This deck is one of the only decks, I think, in the format where you can also justify not playing Soul Ring, mm-hmm. and that is just simply because, like... Funnily enough, Soul Ring is in more than 50% of Animar decks. Yeah. Yeah, this is the one one deck where I'm like, oh, cool, you don't need to run Soul Ring, I think. The yeah. main way to build him is you. it's a lot of very good creatures. You get a bunch of counters on him, and you cast your big fat really, really easy and cheap and draw a bunch of cards. I preferred Animorphs because it's sillier, and I have a soft spot in my heart for Morphs forever. I know. I, I want Morphs to be better than they are. Yep, exactly. But that brings us to Riku of Two Reflections. Which is number two, with uh, 1,796 decks. Aren't really any signature cards. There, there's some spicy, spicy ones. Yeah, I mean, there's Parallel Lives, Panharmonicon, and Rite of Replication, but, I mean... That's, yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. So, I mean, anyone who's played a Riku deck, uh, I think all of us, like, bright-hearted young youngsters saw Riku when Riku came out and were like oh, cool, I'm going to do this stuff. And then the deck, you'd slowly take out a card and put in, oh, this would be good. And then you take out a card and put another one in, oh, this would be good. And you look at your pile of good stuff and go, what have I become? (laughs) 
we can go ahead and uh, move <laughs> on from there. Yeah, so Maelstrom Wanderers, number three, with 1,419 decks. This has a decent amount of signature cards, and I don't really understand. Mm-hmm. Um, someone please explain some of these cards to me. <laughs> yeah, so, they're very surprising. So, like, some of them make sense. So Crystal Shard makes sense. You recast your commander, he is haste, so it doesn't, that doesn't matter. You get two more Cascades. Like, Thran Dynamo, okay, cool, you get your commander next turn. Yep. Gilded Lotus, same. But then there's, like, Sunbird's Invocation? Which I, is probably an algorithm thing. But even with the algorithm thing, the reason why I'm bringing it up is that I don't it understand. It makes no sense. I don't understand at all. You're not casting your commander from your hand, and you're not casting the Cascades from your hand. So what is going to happen to trigger this Sunbird's yeah, Invocation? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Um, Selvala Stampede... Pretty interesting that that's here. I don't think Sunbird's Invocation really synergizes with what this deck is trying to do. Because either you're like constantly replaying your commander and just getting all your value out of your deck, and so you're not spending any of your mana on cards in your hand. Yeah. Or what you're doing is just you cast your personal tutor or your mystical tutor, <laughs> put your devastation on top, yeah. <laughs> cascade into it. And then, like, I've got a 7-power haste commander, and you have no permanence, so we'll see how this game turns out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't understand. And Bloodbraid Elf, like, I understand you cascade more, but is it worth a card slot? I don't think so. I, don't, I, I would say no. Yeah. Zach says no. So, interesting. I mean, the, these decks tend to be a little bit good stuff. I, I was expecting Devastation. I want to see that. Destructive Force. Yeah. Wildfire. Just interesting. Get get that stuff in my deck. Yeah. The next guy, Sirhawk Dragonclaw. Oh, yeah, this is rough. <laughs> so this is 1,161 decks, and... Uh, and two signature cards. Two signature cards, which I don't even actually agree with. It's Timur Charm and Timur Ascendancy. Yeah. I think they just saw, like, oh, Timur. Yeah, Timur Charm is terrible. Yeah, it's the, probably one of the worst ones. Timur Ascendancy, I do kind of get, because you are running creatures and you draw cards so like I, I i don't see why it's a signature card yeah the crazy thing is that there is tech for this commander but it's just not yeah it's not the community is not aware of it or doesn't want to do that yeah because they're old they're old cards what you want to do is break the symmetry on effects that counter everyone's stuff Yes, exactly. Which in which there are a few cards that do that, like the three or four. There's so there's ice cave. Um, whenever a player casts a spell, any other player may pay that spell's mana cost. If a player does, counter that spell. Mm-hmm. So your creatures are immune to that, so you're fine. There's also planar chaos. For those of you who have not had the pleasure to play against it, it's a three mana enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, flip a coin. If you lose the flip, sacrifice planar chaos, and then. Whenever a player casts a spell, that player flips a coin. If they lose the flip, counter that spell. Oh, what a joy. So many good games. <laughs> planar cast. But yeah, this actually is sweet tech for Sirach because you go planar cast and everyone goes, oh no, mm-hmm. and can't do their things very well. But it doesn't affect you. Yeah, it doesn't affect you, and you get to keep casting your big fat, and it's great. <laughs> There's some cards with cumulative upkeep. Title control. So three mana enchantment, cumulative upkeep two. Pay two life or two mana. Counter target red or green spell. Any player may activate this ability. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So basically your friends playing red or green spells, they can't anymore, but you can, and this is, that's so strong. 
that's like that to me like the title control is the reason to play mm-hmm. this guy not tomorrow sentence <laughs> yeah but n- not in signature cards bizarrely yeah, very strange so that might just be an awareness thing or like i'm surprised that more players don't make use of gatherer yeah that's been actually my biggest takeaway from this is how few people actually gather search i think a lot of people just want to pick up a deck and play like much more than i thought originally mm-hmm. i mean if you're listening to this you probably like building decks and therefore you probably do use gather or scryfall or whatever and i i salute you for that <laughs> but the next commander is I, I know also very popular but i've not found it to be super strong is yesova dragon claw with 668 decks has a lot of signature cards i mean the spicy one is hero's blade because it just auto-equips and makes your power bigger. Mm-hmm. Conjurer's Closet, also, you keep whatever you stole. Bizarre Trader. Bizarre Trader. You keep whatever you stole. You keep whatever you stole. And then if you're really spiteful and didn't draw one of those cards, you can always Goblin Bombardment mm-hmm. away whatever you stole. So that's also fun. Same with, uh, there's a couple other stack outlets here. we got Life's Legacy. Yeah. yeah. Evolutionary Leap is pretty good. So yeah, I mean, this card it looks like people built around her, which is great, and that makes sense. I've just never really found it to be, like, super powerful. I think that the cost to gain control of stuff is just way too high. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree. Like, I, I actually built a deck around her, and I just found that it was eating up all of my mana every turn to activate her and then like do something, do something with the creature I took. I just felt like I was falling behind because, like, they're casting three creatures, and yeah, I'm, I'm messing with one of them. I do like seeing Yusova decks. I think it's cool. She has a lot of power for not much mana. And she's got tech. She's got cool tech, so... I I wish they just front-loaded more of the mana on her mana cost and then made the ability cheaper. Yeah, I, I also agree with that. But uh, we only got one more Timur Commander we're not really going to talk about. Uh, well, we are actually going to mention maybe a brief thing about it. Yeah. It's Intet the Dreamer. I was so trolled when yeah. I saw this. The signature cards are all dragons. Yeah, I, I was really expecting that Intet would be all about setting up the top card of your library, maybe other things that care about the top yeah, card. Yeah, big spells or something. Like, you know, you're going to have Scroll Rack, your Worldly Tutor, your uh, Personal Tutor, Mystical Tutor, like maybe an Oracle Moldiah to get the lands off the top of your deck. But instead, it's just Gurge of Valkus. Is it 2.0? Why 2.0? Because you don't want a combo. <laughs> it kind of shows that people want this. I don't know if they need this. I mean, there's so many other options for dragon commanders. I yeah. don't get what this really offers you. Like, why does a dragon deck need blue in it? For your Nimizit and your Sarkhanum <laughs> bound. I'm not sure. I think the really big thing with Intet that we... I don't know if we want to talk about holes or if we want to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, now. we can talk about holes. Because yeah, basically, so we've gone through these and a lot of the three color decks don't necessarily have like a hole per se mm-hmm. um some of them do which we're going to bring up now because there's obviously some holes when we went through the wedges i th- I, I don't know i'm just going to bring up intet here i think intet shows that we do need a top of the library matters commander with green yeah and you said that on the uh when we talk about amina too yeah exactly yeah i think just with there's so many things that in green that can either set up the top card of your library or, like, do things based on the top card of your library. Like, this yeah. is the color of Lurking Predator. This is the color of Oracle Moldiah, Worldly Tutor, Sylvan yeah. Tutor. There's so many things that care about it or set it up. It really just should be green. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, 
white. Like, there's nothing tricky about white. There's no yeah, white setting up your top card. It. I think that, like, Sultai or maybe even just Simic, mm-hmm. top of library matters, would be pretty good. Yeah, definitely. I think that going back now, like, Mardu, like, obviously curses need something. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, they could do what they said. Like, they could keep printing these, like, really splashy, big, good curses and just make a commander that makes it easier to use them Mm -hmm. that would allow the people who like curses to play them they don't need to worry about curses being a thing in standard like ever or something like that yet people still get to have fun obzon i would like to see a better plus plus one counter commander yeah yeah definitely one that like doesn't lend itself to combo in the way that gabe does also one that's just stronger than Anafenza. So some, like a, a plus and plus one counter aggro commander in yeah. Obzon. Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't really think there's anything in Jeskai in particular. Nothing really stood out to me. No. Not... I, I, I think Jeskai and uh Well, the thing that came Sultai. out of Jeskai was that, boy, it would be nice if uh, Zedru was better. And I think that Zedru probably wants to be black rather than white. Yeah, because, like, white is not the color of, like, deal with the devil. Like, this is a lot of power, but it could go really badly for you. That's yeah. a black thing. That is 100% in black's color pie. Like, I want to be giving other people immortal coil. Yeah, or demonic pact. Like... Yes, yes, absolutely. So there's all these cards in black that uh, I would really love to use to screw over other people with. So I think if they... They probably should make a better Zedru, and it probably should be black. So maybe, like, Grixis? Yeah, Grixis would probably be the best colors for it because you get the donate colors plus the fun black stuff, and mm-hmm. you are still have access to the blue and red stuff that people liked in those in that deck. Yeah. For now, like, is there any last thoughts you have for today? Or I think our last podcast in which we go over the four color commanders and the five color commanders that's probably going to be a pretty short one. Yeah, there's only one commander per each four color identity yeah we're not going to talk about the nephilim i'm sorry yeah uh, <laughs> yeah although uh there are a lot of five color commanders and that's where the, the meat's going to be yeah and there actually are some pretty interesting ones so we'll get to that as as we said um but i guess thanks for listening thanks for listening if you want to get in touch with me i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr if you want to reach zach he is at fat bartleby on twitter and tumblr The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check them out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time.